Hey y'all, my name's Tiffany, and welcome to my first, and most likely last, podcast. Today we're going to be covering topics about hegemonic masculinity, and how us as sports leaders, and future sports leaders, can change. Are we stuck? I don't know. Let's find out. First and foremost, I want to define what exactly hegemonic masculinity is. And you at home can Google hegemony and masculine and makeshift your own definition and you get the idea. I want to go over a sociologist definition of hegemonic masculinity. Now, Raywin Connell is an Australian sociologist who specializes in gender power roles and specifically looks at masculinity. She has multiple definitions of this concept, but let's look at one of her most quoted definitions. And she says, hegemonic masculinity can be defined as the configuration of gender practice, which embodies the currently accepted answer to the problem of the legitimacy of patriarchy, which guarantees the dominant position of men and the subordination of women. One of her other definitions says that hegemonic masculinity is the culturally exalted form of masculinity. So basically she's saying that society has embraced and normalized this concept of men dominating women and women being subordinate to that domination. Now, hegemonic masculinity can also be dominated over social groups, countries, all sorts of other things. It doesn't have to just be over women. Looking at the 2000s movie Billy Elliot starring Jamie Bell is a great example of hegemonic masculinity. Now this movie is based mid-1980s in New England and this little boy Billy Elliot is a boxer and he has a very dominant dad and his dad works in the mining field, his wife passed away It seems like his mom is a little bit senile and expects a lot out of Billy as far as being a man. Now, Billy is at boxing practice one day, and he's not very good at boxing, but he goes anyway because his dad thinks it's the greatest thing ever. And one day after practice, Billy is practicing some of his moves on a big hanging boxing bag. And in the background, he hears one, two, three, one, two, three looks over and there is a ballet class going on with a bunch of girls and he begins to listen to the counts and starts hitting the bag with the counts. Soon enough, he finds himself actually in that ballet class doing the counts with the girls in his boxing gear. The instructor helps him out, says, hey, if you're gonna do this, you need different shoes. She shows him how to point his toe. And soon enough, Billy is finding himself in love with ballet. Now again, this is in, the setting is in the 1980s, and ballet is meant for women and poofs, which poofs are a gay man. Billy keeps going back to this ballet practice. He's using the money that his dad is giving him to go to boxing, to go to ballet, and he's hiding it from his dad, and he's absolutely terrified to talk to him. His instructor believes that Billy is extremely talented and has what it takes to make it into a prestigious ballet school. Now, one day at practice, Billy's doing his dancing routines up and down, and his dad 
walks by, sees through the window, Billy in ballet class. His dad storms in the door, rips him out of the class and takes him home absolutely distraught and beside himself that he finds his son in ballet. Later that night, they're sitting at the dinner table and they begin to argue and his dad gets very frustrated and starts screaming and Billy cuts loose and calls his dad a bastard and then his dad chases him out the house in f and Billy runs in fear that he is totally in for a whooping. Later in the movie, you find Billy's shows his frustration through this because he has to quit ballet and take care of his nana at home, can't even do boxing anymore, and he finds himself back at the gym on a super snowy night right around Christmas time, and he is dancing in the gym, and his dad walks in and finds him, sees him dancing, and then his dad turns around and busts out of the gym. Billy comes out, flying out of the gym, chasing his dad in the snow. Dad, dad, don't go, please, like, talk to me, type of, like, hey, hang on. And his dad turns around and has a realization, like, oh, my gosh, my son can actually do this. He can actually be successful in ballet. And they had a long conversation about, you know, ballet is not just for poofs. It's not just for females. Athletes do ballet. Long story short... His dad gets on board, sacrifices everything to get Billy into this ballet school. Billy auditions for it and gets in, and it's a happy ending. Now, this is a great representation of hegemonic masculinity and the change that can happen. And this change can happen in today's sports world as well. It just took Billy's dad to take out the society's words that have put in his head about ballet and just really turn and look at the person standing in front of him for the person standing in front of him not just for what society thinks but for the true love of his son and realizing that all his son wants is to be happy all Billy wants is to just do ballet he just wants to dance and his dad throws out all those norms all those things that he thought were okay and that he thought were what, what was society says and he's like all right let's do it and this is another great example of showing youth in sports and how sometimes they can be completely dominated by the parents and the coaches how many times have you heard a father or a coach yell at a little boy for playing wiffle ball and he trips and falls and skids his knee on the grass and begins to cry and the dad says you know get up stop being a wussy or be a man big boys don't cry all those types of phrases and I don't think that there's anything wrong with trying to make your children tough and resilient. But I also don't know if that's the right way to do it. And don't get me wrong, I have definitely caught myself saying those exact same things to some of my friends' little kids. But it's just the norm. It's just kind of what society has been like, yep, this is what we're doing, so keep doing it. We're doing great. But in cases like Billy, where he grew up and, you know, he doesn't want to be tough. He doesn't want to be violent and punch, but he feels obligated to because he he knows his dad is going to be upset. So how how do we as coaches coaching young male athletes, how do how do us as coaches try to change that stigma and teach our younger boys to be tougher without having to say, you know, be a man. Don't cry. So now we have 
today's society, which I'm on the tail end of a millennial and being raised by Gen X parents and same thing as my fiance, tail end of millennial and was raised by Gen X parents. And you could consider Gen X as old school or traditional. They didn't grow up with social media. People weren't as outspoken and there weren't so many movements like the LGBTQ movements and the feminist movements. And you kind of see those Gen X people, at least how I was raised, kind of fall under that normalization of the male going out and working and the woman staying home, cooking, cleaning, and taking care of the children. Now that us millennials are at that age to be able to have our own children and be our own person, you kind of find a little bit of an intertwined of us trying to change things and be better but we also have that social normalization of what our parents raised us our parents you know you're the girl you're the guy this is how it's supposed to be this is how it's always been and now I find you know even my fiance like struggles with trying to express himself because he grew up you know not being able to cry not being able to have any type of emotion and anything that shows weakness he just bottles it up now, i'm not saying that we can go around the world just crying and weeping about everything because sometimes these days we take it way too literal and we find so many people crying and weeping about so many things anymore but i think it should be socially be acceptable to be able to express ourselves in a healthy way and when we go back and look at the first definition that I gave you of hegemonic masculinity that Connell defined, it was the solution to the problem. And that's exactly what we're doing here today is trying to figure out the solution that the reason behind why we are who we are. Now, is it all the way back generations because that's just traditionally how it was? Or what is it? Now, I was going to have a special guest here on my podcast today, and I wanted to talk to him kind of about the roles that he went through as far as being an athlete and a coach. However, some health issues came up and he unfortunately cannot come onto the show, but I did have a couple discussions with him and I would love to share them. So I was going to bring my dad on who was a single A baseball player. He has been a coach for many, many years coaching baseball and he's currently now my assistant coach for softball. So he's been in that baseball world with men, boys, all that great stuff. And he's kind of shifted his way over of being, you know, um, under me, allowing me to be his boss, which is so fun, highly recommend, and coaching girls. And I kind of wanted to get his idea on how much pressure he had on himself, how the coaches rode him, all that type of stuff growing up. And then how different it is coaching with girls and coaching girls and he said in his younger years as he was a player you know the struggles were unreal to be tough and gritty and not show any type of weakness to the point that he has injured himself and now my dad played minor league baseball for the Everett Giants at the time and now they're they're the Everett Aqua Sox and he was a rule breaker go figure you know like father like daughter and as Spring kind of mingles in with winter, like you're able to go skiing, but you're able to come down from the mountain and play baseball during the same season. My dad decided to go skiing, fell, kind of snapped his shoulder, and then came back down to pitch the next day in a game. And he had so much pressure riding on him as far as like not showing fear or weakness or injury. He still pitched that game. 
and ended up really hurting himself in the end. It was okay because that's kind of what society was. And then for him comparing coaching with baseball boys and coming over to coach with softball girls, he says that guys show tendencies of anger, whereas girls show tendencies of like really being emotional and being able to express themselves. So guys just bottle it up, get pissed, go throw hard, whereas girls really want to talk about everything. Now, I'm not saying that one way is better than the other. That's just kind of how it is. And those are just traits of being masculine and being feminine. The world needs both types of people. And my dad did say that during his years of coaching baseball, you would find that those marginalized masculinity groups would kind of fall off the tail end of baseball and ended up quitting in the end just because it was so hard for them to deal with how the hegemonic males of the group, those those really, really dominant leaders, just kind of suffocated them to feel not accepted. Then you have those male figures in that marginalized group that are accepted by the hegemonic group and they stay. So is this just how social groups work and mingle or is there something that we can do as coaches to kind of help facilitate that? Can we see that? Because my dad definitely mentioned that the other coaches that he worked with, it was just, you know, normal for everybody to say, buck up and get over it, rub some dirt on it, that type of thing. You're not hurt. Don't cry. So how do we change that? And at what point have we gone too far? From my own personal experience, I used to work at a state-of-the-art training facility where I was a speeding, speed and strength coach. Now, this was right out of college from my undergrad, and I was around 22, 23 at the time. Little naive to the real world and had no idea what I was getting myself into. Now, I definitely show dominant traits, a natural leader. I was team captain in all my sports. I was coach for three years before I graduated college. So... I understand kind of what it feels like to not, to necessarily dominate over the female atmosphere, but I had no idea what I was getting myself into as far as joining in, in a both male and female leadership environment, because I never obviously played boys sports growing up. I never played with boys except for maybe kindergarten and we were on the same soccer team. So in this particular gym, we had a huge open floor that intertwined kids classes with boot camp classes with strength classes. So strength classes were in the weight rooms, hitting the dumbbells, hitting the barbells. And then we've got boot, boot camp, who is more of like a hit workout. And you kind of see more females tend to lean towards that type of style of workout. Now, at the time, I was the only female coach on the floor. And all these classes would be happening at the same time. And it's me and a bunch of other dudes that are running this facility. The only other females that worked there were the greeters at the front desk who were just, you know, hi, how are you? I'll check you in. What class would you like to be in? And they sold merch, did other admin jobs, and they weren't part of the coaching process. And this in general didn't necessarily intimidate me. I'm just like, hey, it is what it is. I'm in the fitness industry. It tends to be more guys than girls. Both my managers were male. The owner of the whole gym in that area was a male. It is what it is. Now, this is when things got slightly irritating and most eye-opening for me. It was extremely frustrating to find myself looking at my schedule the week before for the following week to see, you know, what classes am I teaching, what days, yada, yada, so on. And 
I finally was able to teach a strength class. I was so excited to teach a strength class. And then we get into the next week and right before, the hour before that strength class, my GM comes up to me and he's like, hey, uh, how do you feel about switching to the boot camp class? And so-and-so is going to come over and take your strength class. You guys are just going to flip-flop. There's more males in that strength class. And I think it's probably a little bit more appropriate that we have a male figure coaching them. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, no big deal. And I didn't think anything of it at the time. And then, you know, days went on and my GM comes up to me again and he says, hey, would you mind doing a coaching segment for our Instagram page? Looking at our Instagram page, we don't have any females coaching. There's no, there's no females on our page. So I would like you to do a video and we're going to teach some sort of movement. And again, I'm like, yeah, no big deal. Sure, of course, we need to get that female look out there. We need people to, you know, relate, be able to say, hey, there are females that work at this gym. And again, not really thinking anything of it, just doing it and moving on with my life. And as I grow and I learn, I kind of reflect on that time and I'm like, hey, wait a second. Was I hired for my credentials? Was I hired because I knew what I was talking about? Or was I hired because I was a female, because I was a minority, because a hegemonic male decided that it was okay. He authorized me to be okay to be in a leadership position. And you kind of see that same pattern all throughout the sports world. Like how many D1 female or even minorities are an athletic director for that school? And again, we still see males dominating over females. How many males coach male sports? Pretty much mostly all of them. How many males coach female sports? You know, there's there's quite a bit of them, but how many females coach male sports? It doesn't go the other way. Now, is this just sexism? I'm not sure. Or is this this theory of hegemonic masculinity and the domination over woman and woman being okay with it? Because boy, I tell you what, when I was 22 years old, I was sure okay with it. I had no idea because it was pretty normal. It was normal for somebody to say, no, I don't want you to coach me because you're a woman and you probably know nothing about lifting heavy weights. You know nothing about a deadlift technique. Why are you here? When in fact, I had more credentials and more qualifications than any of the athletes that were coaching on the floor. I digress. For a final conclusion message, I just want us to realize, yes, it's okay to be dominant. It's okay to be male and have that leadership aspect about you. It's okay to be female and have that leadership aspect about you. But is it all right to be that hegemonic masculine person? As soon as us as sports leaders look at a person and or look at a social group and say, no, I don't think that they can be leaders because they're a female because they're Hispanic or they're black or they're gay or whatever it may be, then I think we've crossed a line. And when we start telling young boys or young girls that they have to be excessively feminine or extraordinarily masculine to the point that they have to hide who they are, I think that's when we cross the line. Now, I don't have a solution for this, but my question to you as a sports leader or a future sports leader, coach, role model, whatever it may be, how can we be better as a society? How can we change? Can we change? 
or are we all just falling under the normalization of, yeah, it's okay. That's all I got for you guys today and I'll probably talk to you never. So thanks for listening.